You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Charity's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 334. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a very different type of podcast for you today. We're, I'm going to be joined by Cecily Nobler, who is the co-host of the Rose Pricks podcast. You heard them on about three months ago. But this podcast is not me interviewing her or not us talking about The Bachelor. It is going to be a review of the movie Pretty in Pink where the opening music for this podcast is from, the opening music for my Daily Roundup podcast is from. It's a movie that I've been obsessed with for over 30 years. Cecily's obsessed with it as well, and we talk about it today for a good hour. So I hope you enjoy this, and we will get to that momentarily. So last time I appeared on the Rose Pricks podcast, it came to my attention that Cecily was a huge Pretty in Pink fan because she had an image from the movie just on her Instagram feed, and I asked her about it, and we started to go down this deep rabbit hole about how much both of us knew about the movie, and we decided, you know what, why don't we do a podcast where we do a movie review of it? And if you haven't seen it, go rent it, go get it, go watch it. It's on you know most of the streaming services. You might have to pay three ninety nine to rent it or something like that. But this is uh, a mid-80s movie put together by John Hughes, one of the three movies where he had Molly Ringwald as his muse, as Cecily likes to call it. Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club. I forget. I always forget which order they came in. I want to say uh, Sixteen Candles was first, and then it was Breakfast Club, and then Pretty in Pink, but I could be wrong. Anyway... It's just a movie that I've always liked. She flat out asked me why I've always liked it, and I don't even know if I could pinpoint one particular thing about it. I've just always liked it. And I always knew that I wanted to use the music from the show if I ever got my own radio show or, obviously, a podcast. If you don't know, even though I've put this out there numerous times, I still get asked it, so apparently not everybody knows or remembers. This podcast, the opening music you hear at the beginning of the end, is a song called Positively Lost Me, and it's by the Rave Ups. It is in this Pretty in Pink movie. My daily roundup, the opening music and the closing music, is a song called Rave Up, Shut Up by the Rave Ups. They're both in the Pretty in Pink movie, and they're both in the same scene, so you can't really miss it if you've ever watched this movie. And ever since the 80s, I've told this story, but I'll tell it again real quick. Ever since the 80s, I knew I wanted to use one of those songs as my bumper music for any radio show I ever did once I realized I wanted to be in radio. And I got approval once I realized I was going to start a podcast back in 2016. I somehow got the email address of the lead singer of the Rave Ups, Jimmer Podraski, and I asked him, hey, could I use this? He said, sure. So, So I have. Jimmer Podraski also has a child with Molly Ringwald's sister. Cecily and I can't, couldn't figure out if they ever got married, but we know they have a child together. And if you watch 16 Candles in one of the opening scenes where Molly Ringwald and her friend are walking down the hallway, on her binder you see, you know, because we all wrote on our binders back in the 80s, you see the word rave-ups. So... There was always a shout-out to the rave-ups in these movies, and um, that's because the lead singer wa- had a child with uh, Molly's sister. So, interesting factoid for you. But yeah, we just break down the movie, and we talk about it for an hour or so today with a lot of fun facts, uh, some things. If you have not seen the movie, I mean, spoiler alert, it's been out for 35 years. Uh, you might want to get to it. But we do talk about the alternate ending. It's probably the biggest thing about this movie that, unless you're a diehard, maybe you wouldn't know. 
we talk about the director of this movie, who he is, who he's married to, who his daughter is now. Um, just a lot of good facts, fun times going over this. And when we initially decided to do this, I thought this was going to go on Cecily's podcast. So she kind of runs the uh, interview. By the way, we recorded this last week when I was sick. So you'll be able to hear my crappy voice. Uh, you'll be able to hear my sickness, but just know it was recorded last week. Obviously, you hear me now. I'm over my sickness. But yeah, when we recorded this last week, I can still definitely hear the nasally uh, voice that I had when I was so congested for a couple days there. But um, so Cecily kind of, I have her in control of this podcast. She kind of starts it out and is the one directing the podcast, and I'm just there to answer the questions and fill in and give my thoughts. But uh, I decided that I wanted to run it on my podcast as well. So they're going to run it on um, either their Board AF podcast or the Rose Pricks podcast. Uh, I'm going to run it today, and I know you're going to enjoy it. If any of you have ever seen this movie, um, there's so many things about it that, you know, looking back on it now, unintentionally or intentionally just funny. And... There's a there's a thing about this movie that for the longest time I didn't even know that happened in the movie because I feel like every time I saw it, I missed the beginning of it because it started to become a very big popular cable movie and it just seemed like every time it came on, it was on the same scene. So I just watched it from that point forward, but I missed a very major plot point. And for years, something that happens at the end of the movie which was set up by something in the beginning of the movie that I never saw. I've never understood for the longest time why something that happened at the end did. And I will explain that in in the podcast as well. So just a fun movie all around. You can knock this thing out in 90 minutes. John Cryer's in it. Um, uh, Andrew McCarthy plays Blaine. James Spader with a great role as the villain Steph in this. You really can't beat it. Come on. Um, It's hard for me to rank the three mid-80s John Hughes movies because they were all so good. They're all so different. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. You can't... I can't rank them. I can't. I love them all. I can't say which one is better. I can say, I can tell you that Breakfast Club was probably the most important one and had the best message. 16 Candles was just funny, although not in a million years could that movie be made today. And Pretty in Pink was just a good old-fashioned love triangle high school movie. And you got to love it. You got to love it. I hope you guys watched it. And I hope you'll enjoy me and Cecily talking about this and reviewing it for the next hour or so. So sit back, relax, enjoy it. Here it is. Podcast number 334. Hey, what is up? It is Cecily Nobler. You know me from a lot of things. But you know this guy from a lot of things, too. Uh, my friend, my new, my new, I want to say best friend now. That might be too much for him. But reality Steve's on the line. Hey, Cecily. Uh, what's up? Hey, hey. We, okay, so we discovered, let me just give you a little backstory. Um, we are kind of the same person. It's kind of weird. Like, we didn't, I don't know how that happened, and we didn't know each other, but we were both kind of doing each other's podcasts. I, I have Rose Pricks, and of course, you know, and you know the podcast that you have, right, um, for The Bachelor, and uh, we're both Bachelor people, and so we were just chit-chatting and doing each other's stuff, and we realized that we are both, I'm just going to jump to it, kind of obsessed with the movie Pretty in Pink. Right? I'm just going to say kind of. I'm obsessed. I don't know about you, but I'm obsessed. I mean, um, I, mean I would we, say the fact that my weekly Thursday podcast intro and outro music is from the, <laughs> from the Rave Ups, from Pretty in Pink, and my daily podcast that I added last July is also a intro and outro music from the rave ups from pretty in pink. 
I think says a lot. And it's also like, I didn't just say like, I'm just going to use this. I literally emailed the lead singer of the rave ups and said back in 2016, when I started my podcast, I said, I've always been a fan of this song. And I always said, Mm -hmm. if I ever had a radio show or any sort of show, I wanted to use this as my bumper music. And he emailed me back and said, go ahead. So, I mean, so okay, I let me ask it's you this. Crazy. Was it Jim? Was it Jimmer? Was yeah. it the guy? Was it Molly Ringwald's sister's best boyfriend? Yep. Because you, you know that. Okay, so we'll get into all that because we got a lot. I mean, there's, we, we, get, we get real geeky about this. But not only did we discover that, you know, first of all, also we're both from Texas. Or we're both from Dallas. Or you do time in Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. We both have beagles. Like, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's just kind of weird how exactly the same – both pretty, I don't want to say bachelor obsessed, but bachelor knowledgeable. You more than me, for sure. I didn't realize um, you grew up in, in I, I didn't realize you grew up in Dallas. Yeah. I grew up in Dallas. I, we, I was in Waco for the first part of my childhood, and then Dallas was junior high and high school. What high school did yeah. you go to? So Richardson was where I would have gone. Pierce was my home high school, but I went hmm. to Arts Magnet, which is now Booker T. Washington, for the performing and visual arts. Oh. Where did you go? No, see, I'm the opposite of you. I grew up in Orange County and then moved to Texas in 06. So I've been here 16 years now. So mm, I went man. to high school in Orange County and college in L.A. and then moved to Texas in 06. And then we're not going to give exact coordinates because we don't want anyone to stalk you. But, like, where – what what suburb? Or where are you in Dallas? Oh, people know. I, I mean, I've said it enough times. I'm, I'm, in, um, I'm in Frisco. You're in Frisco. Okay, so you're north. So you're north of even where I grew up. Oh, yeah. Richardson. Yeah, north. Yeah. Uh, but be, I love I'd be, Dallas. I'd be northwest from you, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of the city. There's some reasons. Some re- oh, by the way, we should say Reality Steve has got a little bit of a cold, so we're going to we're gonna take care of him today. Yeah. Um, that sounded weird. That sounded like you were down. We're going to give him a massage. Okay, you guys? <laughs> Let's give him, like, some <laughs> whatever. That okay, so we discovered our love of Pretty in Pink. Because I had posted a photo, I was doing his show, and you looked at my Insta, and I just randomly had posted the photo of Molly Ringwald at the library when Blaine, Andrew McCarthy, pops up from behind the computer desk, and you were like, what? How can that be? And then that began this conversation. So we thought, why don't we do, since we know so much stuff and we love it, let's do a little show about it, which is what we're doing now. Um, Okay. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with the music part, because you mentioned the rave up. Yeah. If we can, uh, obviously, I mean, I'm going to, this is, you are going to know everything I say, but for those who don't, I actually kind of didn't realize this till kind of recently, but that pretty in pink, like the title of the movie was named for the song. The song was first, the psychedelic first song had come out in what? 81. I don't know I what, I don't know what year, but I know that Molly Ringwald went to John Hughes and said, I want you to make mm-hmm. a movie based on this song. Yeah. Yep, and then so they re-recorded it for it, and then John Hughes apparently loved naming movies after songs because they couldn't be copyrighted, copywritten, whatever it is. Um, that way, like the song titles, I don't know why, but that's why like Sixteen Candles had already been a song, Some Kind of Wonderful. Um, that's where that came from. Now, you know the story of like, so OMD, the band, you know, OMD was supposed to do this original song for the prom. This is, I love this story, actually. So the original... Is it okay that I'm getting geeky already? Is it too soon? No, this is what this is what I think everyone wants to okay. hear. So the original track um, of that of was what we know is if you leave was originally called Goddess of Love, but and we're going to get into all the testing and all that stuff. But because and this was originally when Andy was supposed to end up with Ducky, but because that didn't happen, you know, they basically were like it tested so poorly they had to reshoot that ending. Um, they were like, you've got to re-record a song. That song doesn't make sense now, and we need something different. And they basically had like 24 hours. They had just gotten out of a plane. They were exhausted. They went straight to the studio, and in like a day, they came, no sleep, came back with that amazing song that we love. But there's even more that I like. Even This is even cooler. Um, in the temp, you know how like when you're editing a film, you put in temp music. You may not have it like cleared yet, but it, they just put it in for the producers, you know, the director to see. Yeah. Um, bam, you know, they don't know what song they're going to put in. In the temp version for that scene, the prom scene, the big thing, it was David Bowie's Heroes. Did you know that? No. Yeah, 
It was Heroes, which is one of my favorite songs. And then, so when they tested that, they had left the temp version in one of the test screenings. And a lot of the people in the test screenings were like, ah, you should have left that. Even though they liked the If You Leave, they were like, oh, we really like Heroes. <laughs> They're like, no, no, no. For, I don't know why they changed it. I, I, would, uh, I would imagine Bowie just was not giving the rights to, you know, to stuff like that. I just don't think that was his style, if I can remember. So at the time, for whatever reason, they couldn't get Heroes. And they had to switch it. So that all got kind of, and, but it always kind of works out the way it's supposed to. But I, when I think about that scene with heroes and that scene being the prom scene at the end, um, when I think about that. I'm like, God, that would have worked too. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I just, if you leave was so iconic for that scene. I don't, I can't even I picture know. heroes in that scene. Like I can't. I know. I want. I want. If you leave, no, I don't want heroes. I know because it's all we know, though. That's the thing. It's what they gave us. And did you know? I know you know this, but like John Hughes was so into all the music. We know that he's a huge music lover. He loves finding these sort of indie bands. You know, he started. He had his own label. Like uh, the some kind of wonderful soundtrack was on his the John Hughes label. I didn't realize that until recently. I thought that was kind of cool too. Um, then that brings us to you and your. Uh, you rave ups thing. I didn't know this either. So I guess when they're in that club, when Andy's in the club with her friends and the rave ups and she'd already given them a shout out in 16 candles, right? She wrote it on her folder, Yeah. but that's because she was buddies with them, which I think is so cool that you're kind of also buddies with one of them at least. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know this till years later that Molly Ringwald's sister had a child with the lead singer of the rave ups, Jimmer Podraski. Yeah. And I don't know if they were I, – I know you had a child with the, with Molly's sister. I don't know if yeah. they ever got married. Were they married and then divorced or what? Or they just had a child I don't together? know what – I don't know what their status was. You know yeah. what? I don't know what my status is with most of the guys that I'm dating. Like, I'll never know. So, like, I don't know what – I don't know what Molly Ringwald's sister's status was with that yeah. guy. But, I, yeah, they did have a kid, and they were together at that time. And I love that Molly – Molly was very – like, she championed a lot of things. She was always sort of working with John Hughes to get certain people hired. I love that she worked. She cared so much about the music, just like John did. She was cool. She's a cool chick. We know this. I mean, this isn't information, but every time I read more about her, I just find her cooler and cooler and just kind of want a beer, you know? That sounded so serial killery. I know. The way I just said that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, okay. Now, I feel like I'm ahead of myself, so that's a little music knowledge, but let, like talking about the movie, let me ask you this before we get into more fun facts like what was it that you loved so much about her like what resonated with you when you first saw it do you think oh that's easy her prom dress no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> would no. you wear every night yeah. you put it on you just spray some perfume and you just like sit around in it right I'm, it. I'm trying to think i i gosh i don't know i i i mean i'm a I'm an 80s guy, so a lot of my favorite mm -hmm. movies are in that genre, like whatever it was. You know, I'm just a Back to the Future, Karate Kid, Ferris Bueller, uh, you know, 16 Candles, mm -hmm. Breakfast Club type of guy. Like, I just liked all of them. And this one mm -hmm. stuck with me. Um, I'm trying to think of why. Uh, I, I just liked the story. I liked. Yeah. I liked the underdog deal mm -hmm. i liked mm -hmm. he and if you don't think if you do not think that at some point during my high school career i told a girl who broke up with me for the first time for the first time in your life i i won't be there um mm -hmm. you, then, then you don't then you don't know me and i don't think she don't know. I don't i'm think, poorly with <laughs> i don't think she had seen the movie so i was able to get away with it she'd be like she didn't say to me did you just quote Ducky to me? No. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, but I... Uh, then she wasn't She wasn't the one for you. If she didn't know what you were quoting, then that's exactly... It was the universe telling you, like, she doesn't even know what and I'm it's, talking about. And it's funny. Gonna... It's funny because I said that to somebody who I did not have the same relationship I did that Ducky did with Andy. Like, they had known each other for since they were kids. It was just a girl that I was dating. I was just upset. So I was like, well, this line sounds good. It makes, makes it sound like it's going to pack a little punch to it. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really go over I don't think she cared. Or she didn't even understand what I said. Why, why are you saying this? We've known each other for a year. Like, <laughs> um, That's but, amazing. You know, I, I feel like – oh, go ahead, please. 
I think I, I think I, you know, I don't think it worked because I, I'm trying to think back if she even knew about. It. I don't think she knew the line, but yeah, I I think overall, so I think it just kind of. I liked. I liked the chase. I liked mm-hmm. you know, and and here's the weird thing, and I and I don't know what year it happened, and I'm not sure at what point, but and, th- and this is totally bizarre, but. This movie came out in what, 85, 86? Mid 80s, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? I did not know, or I for for the longest time, for whatever reason, I think every time I had seen this movie, it started right around the time, or I when I tuned into it, it started right around the time that the first scene when she's working at Tracks, at the record store. So for the longest mm-hmm. time when I saw this movie, the <laughs> the end the end scene of Blaine telling Steph off that you you couldn't buy her, I was like, what are you, what is he talking about? I had never seen the beginning in the very beginning where he goes up to her car and says, you know, when are we going to get it on and all this stuff. I had never seen that for years, <laughs> and so the ending never made sense to me, or other than. <clears throat> You know, Steph just didn't want him dating a, a a girl who didn't have any money. I didn't know that scene existed because every time I had seen it, for whatever reason, I had just always seen it and it always started right around tracks. I'm like, okay, wait, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Crazy. Wait a second. Hold on. Wait a minute. That's telling me information. That tells me you didn't see it in the theater unless you were late for the oh, movie. Oh, no. I, def- I, de- absolute I definitely didn't see it in the theater. No, this is, a, this is one that became uh, a cable watch for me. And then I guess it was just every time it came on cable – it was never mm-hmm. from the beginning. And like I said, I don't know what year I saw. It could have been early 2000s. I mean, it, it's still been 20 years since I have seen the beginning of it, but it wasn't right away. It wasn't in the 90s. Oh. Like, years. Oh, oh. Years had passed before I saw it, and I saw that first scene. I'm like, holy shit, this is why. I didn't know he was <laughs> after her. I thought he just didn't like her. Okay, it makes sense now. Yeah, That would be like seeing 16 Candles and like somehow missing the first Twenty five five minutes and thinking like what are they talking about her birthday it's her birthday like you missed yeah. the whole premise of the thing I had such a different experience with Pretty in Pink because I it was my time and so I was younger I mean I was like in junior high when they were a little obviously high school but I saw it in the theater and I had just moved from Waco to Dallas I was very different I wanted to be different I'd seen these John Hughes movies and I was like, I want to be like that. So I'm going to wear a weird hat and I'm going to be the weird, I'm going to be this person. And then people do treat you that way. When you, when you wear, when you go to Dallas, a suburb of Dallas and you're trying not to be a cheerleader, you know, you have to kind of answer to it. (laughs) And this, and I, I loved it. I stand by it. And this movie like spoke to me on, and it made me feel like it's okay to be a little weird. It's okay to not be rich, which I wasn't. It's okay to be different. And like it, it stuck with me my whole life. And not only that, it's one of the best like tr- love triangles in the '80s films that I'd really honestly seen. And I think, I think that that's part of it too. Even though that's like so many movies, or that's you know you can build so many films on the love triangle. This seemed perfect because everybody's like choosing a different per. Like who do you choose? Which yeah. is let's get to that. Let's get to that. And there again, there's I have so much stuff here. Um, okay. Back then, when I saw it, so for those who haven't seen it for some reason, I mean, it's about this girl, Andy. She's a little odd. She's got her buddies, but she's kind of, I wouldn't say a rocker. What would you call it? Just kind of a, she's different on the outskirts. And she's got this best friend in Ducky. Everyone knows this. Um, and then she kind of falls in love with the rich, Richie, as they say in the film. Uh, John Hughes was always coming up with these dumb names for things, but the Richie named Blaine, who wasn't right for her. So all my life, up until I would say in the last two years, all my life, when you ask me, who do you think she should have ended up with? I always say Blaine. I always am like, it's no question Blaine, obviously Blaine. And now for the first time ever, I'm feeling ducky. I've changed my mind after probably the last time I even talked to you. I've changed it to ducky. And I'll tell you why. I don't think either of them were right for her. But Blaine, he was hot and wealthy. But, like, what else did he have going on? He was he wore a white, he was hot and rich. They had nothing in common. His friends were terrible. Like, why? Why? <laughs> Wouldn't you rather, like, end up with your best friend, even if he's kind of a dork, which we're going to get to? 
I mean, the only answer I could give to that is it's a movie, and what did, <laughs> what did, what did she really have in common with Jake Ryan? You know? what? Like, what would those two oh, have lasted right. in, in, in 16 Candles? Like, okay, they walk off together, he likes her, and she's a sophomore, and, she, and he's a senior. He's going to go off to college in, in, a, in two months when that movie ends, and he's never going to see Sam again. So it's almost like... I'm going to answer that. I'm answering this for you what? because Jake Ryan was always a fantasy. He was, we never knew him well enough. He was just the hottest guy that has ever existed. I'm just going to stand by that. And of course she's going to have a crush on him. And then of course he's, you know, when they finally go out, it's the most exciting thing ever. But with Blaine, the difference is, is that, yeah, no, neither of them are all, none, none of that's going to work out. But with Blaine, like she did know it. She had gone on a few dates. Yeah. Okay. It was fun to kiss him. I get, I get why she had a huge crush on him. It just didn't make sense for them to end up together, which is going to bring me to our test audience, which you and I've talked about. So I'll let you take as much as you want here. But for those who don't know, Andy, Molly Ringwald, ends up with Ducky in the original ending of Pretty and Pink. But because it tested so poorly and people were like, not only this, you might not know, at the first test audience, the audience booed. They boo. They showed this ending, and she has to she has to slow dance with Ducky in the original ending, and they are full on together. And apparently, Molly was extremely sick when they made when they did this, and so they thought, well, I don't know, maybe that's a sign, but whatever. And test audience thought booed and booed and booed, and apparently Howard Deutsch, who was the director and the producers, they're all sitting there and like, oh my god, like what have we done? We have to reshoot this. So do you want to tell the story about what happened when they had to reshoot it, or do you want me to take it? No, I, this is one of my favorite things, and this is something <laughs> I did not know until I think when they released. I don't know. Again, another thing that I don't know what year I knew this, but it was you know mm-hmm. after the year 2000, well, 15 years later uh, when I knew this. But at the time that they had to go, so they had to change the ending to have Andy end up with Blaine. And Andrew right. McCarthy had already gone off to a Broadway play where he had to shave his mm-hmm. head. So I thought it was a war movie. It might have been a play. I thought it was some war movie. But either way, yeah. he had to shave his head for another role. Yeah, no, shave his head for another role. Maybe it was Prisoners of War, I think is the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he had to shave his head for another role. But yet he had to come back and film, <laughs> this, and film this scene at the prom. And so the whole prom scene, not only has he lost weight, he also has on one of the worst hair pieces you will ever see. And you kind of have to pay attention because until I knew mm-hmm. that, I didn't, you know, it just doesn't strike you, but once you know that fact about the movie, when you rewatch the prom scene and then you look and then if you, it's like right before you get to the prom scene, you hit rewind and you watch a couple scenes from before, then you realize, oh shit, that hair isn't moving at all it's just stuck on his head it is the worst wig yeah. it's not no here's i'm gonna be i'm gonna be unkind you're being kind i i think you do i think i noticed when i was 13 14 i was like what what's up here this looks so it looks like every time ben affleck does a movie and wears a wig uh, it always looks like that and it's just like yeah it's not good and he wasn't into it we're gonna get to that too andrew mccarthy didn't want to be blamed a lot of people don't realize that but he didn't even really want to be there let alone come back and do these reshoots and when okay when the focus group went so poorly and howard george basically they had to go back to john hughes and they said you got to rewrite an ending pretty fast because we got to reshoot this because they're not having it <laughs> the audience so john hughes being john hughes you know he was always up all night writing 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 he was like all right he just immediately starts typing the story goes starts getting on his tight you know he's like okay hands whoever it was that was asking some pages and apparently they looked at the pages and they're like okay this is about a guy in chicago that's skipping school and he's like oh sorry wrong script he was also working on ferris bueller and like gave him the wrong thing that's how many john hughes was so constantly working on a script that he just didn't even know what he was doing I mean, some could say that was cocaine. I don't know. I don't want to. That's alleged. Um, But like he just gave and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not it. And then he just wrote it really fast, which you can tell because when Andrew McCarthy in his dumb wig comes up, all of a sudden he's just like, I love you. Remember that he just says he's like, I love you. I just couldn't love myself or whatever the line is. So stupid. (laughs) Like, that's so stupid. So um, there's a biography on Hughes called You Couldn't Ignore Me If You Tried. And uh 
there's a quote. I'm going to read you this quote from that. It says, this is, this is just from the focus group, but they said, when Andy and Ducky's dance flickered on screen, so they ended up together, kids in the audience reacted passionately. Like I said, they started booing. The filmmakers sat there stunned and saddened as the truth sank in. And it was clear, says Howard Deutsch, the director, um, that they didn't want her to be with this guy. They just didn't want her to be with Ducky. But there's more. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe how many layers and Easter eggs there are in this particular movie because I just think it's, it's amazing. Um, okay, so Molly, Molly Ringwald didn't want to end up with John Cryer either, but she did. She liked the character of Ducky and was like, she would have been fine with just Ducky as the Ducky she wanted it to be, but she never thought that John Cryer was right for the role. Did you know that? She was annoyed like the whole time. Yeah, he was very well, he was disliked on set. He annoyed he annoyed everybody he was, on set. He said, I think I annoyed everybody on set. He said that. Yeah. He said it in his own book, which is really sad. He said they weren't very nice to him on set. He said they were all very to themselves and very serious. Andrew McCarthy, Andrew was always very serious. He he fancied himself a very important actor. Um, Molly, I think, was just doing her own thing. But yeah, they were just and, and what Andrew later said was that he was really annoying. He thought John Cryer was just very much like the Ducky character. Um, and they, you know, he didn't love it, but here's something I didn't know. Um, she didn't really, Molly didn't really spark with Andrew either because like, apparently the, like what Howard Deutsch later ended up saying is that Molly Ringwald had a big crush on Andrew McCarthy, but Andrew, it was unrequited. So in real life, Andrew really wasn't into Molly and that created some tension on set and they really apparently didn't get along. Um, which I thought was interesting because yeah, I would have thought. Is, were, is yeah. that why is that why every time they made out they were the worst makeout scenes ever? Like I don't know how I've never seen two people in a teen movie <laughs> or even two adults kiss as awful as those two did and it was in every time they made out whether it was in front of the car during their first date, whether it was in yep. the, in the barn and then the last scene at mm-hmm. the end of the movie it's almost like he didn't know how to kiss. I, I it was Watch it. Was it Watch him the kissing or her? Scene. It was both. They were ter- they were oh, both terrible. Awful. They're terrible. It's awful. It's it's how I feel. Not to bring us back to Bachelor Zach because we never really need to go back there. But like on Rose Pricks, that's all we talked about was his kissing. He didn't even open his mouth. He would just press. Zach would just press his mouth against women and then move his head around. Like it was it was or pet, do these like little pecks. So it's fascinating to me because I, I think you're right. I think it was Andrew, just lack of chemistry. They just didn't have it. And, you know, I mean, Molly also wanted, she really was fighting for Robert Downey Jr. to play Ducky, which I think would have been a very different, that would have been a very different movie. I, I think it probably would have worked a little better in the love triangle aspect of it. But it's, I, I love what it is because what it is is like Ducky just didn't know who he was yet. Everyone's got a buddy like Ducky in, in high school. Well, you know, Mo- Molly said so she think, thought he yeah. was, she thought his character was gay. That's what she has said. Yeah, she did. She's very open about that. She thought that his character was gay or if now if this were shot now, he would just be the gay best friend. Yeah, I don't think that's the case because John Hughes gets to decide. He wrote it. Um, maybe the character just doesn't know who he is. But they were also looking at um, it wasn't just Robert. Originally, it went to Anthony Michael Hall. He turned it down. I think that would have been excellent. I would have loved to see that. I think he would have been the perfect ducky because there's still, even though he's such a nerd, there was a little bit of sexiness about him at that time. Well, um, oh, poor you. poor. <laughs> so, yes. Um, but it also, uh, there was somebody else that it, Alex B. Keaton, Michael J. Fox, he was being considered for the for ducky as well. Didn't he have like, there's no, I mean, he might have been considered, but he had so much going on during this time period. Yeah. Everything he was doing. There's no way. I don't fit this into his schedule no he had a hard enough time doing back to the future while doing family ties he had to like get cleared just to do to take over for eric stoltz speaking of the john hughes universe eric stoltz who was originally hired and then fired after they shot a lot of it and they were like nope sorry um but it's so casting stuff is so fascinating to me because andy oh here's another thing so you think you would think molly would be a lock for andy because he was a muse for john hughes but they'd gotten a little bit of a tiff, I guess, at one point. Um, and so uh, it says, she said it's not in her book, uh, Hughes was, or in an article or something, Hughes was looking at Jennifer Beals because Flashdance had done so well. So that was, that was in the mix. Yeah. Um, and 
but she really was fighting for Robert Downey Jr. I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, we, it's hard to see it any other way now. Um, and without John Cryer, we never would have had the line Blaine, Blaine, yeah. Blaine is a kitchen appliance, not a name. Cause he ad-libbed that, which I thought was kind of interesting too. Well, um, the, now do you know, go ahead. Well, you mentioned Howard Deutsch, the director yeah. of the, sh- of the movie. Again, something I didn't know until, I don't think I knew this until somewhat recently. When I say recently, I want to say in the last five years, you know who his wife is. Mm-hmm. Who's his wife? See, you didn't know either. Howard Deutsch. No, Howard Deutsch is married to a very, very prominent '80s actress who was in a oh, lot of Leah movies. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Yeah. Okay, who became who became our Amanda Jones in some kind of wonderful, which he also directed. Yeah, interesting. That and and their daughter Zoe Deutsch is now a actress on she was in switched at birth she's in the politician sure she's in uh zombie land i mean she's an actress now that's up for awards and stuff so she's doing well for herself she's been um nominated for zombie land and i think i did know that I, so, but nepotism is not a thing just kidding we're yeah. all for it it's all fine that's how it works yeah now, do you know, know for blame do you know do you know who John Hughes wanted for Blaine originally without looking it up? I, I, this I know this. I, I know I've read this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll t- uh, well, I know Steph. I know Steph read for Blaine and but they he decided he wanted to play. He liked being the villain or uh, James Spader. Right. Um, James Spader. Sure. Somebody else that. Uh, yeah, I'll know it when you say it. But go ahead. All right. It was Charlie Sheen. That's who yeah. he had in mind, which is. Such a different, I mean, that's a totally different movie. Because I think what John Hughes wanted, he wanted like clear bad boy versus sweet nerd friend. He wanted it to be a little bit more black and white, which makes sense. Um, and that's exactly what he sort of wound up doing in Some Kind of Wonderful. But Molly wanted something, she really pushed for Andrew McCarthy because she sort of liked this like, oh, let's not make it so obvious. Because obviously she shouldn't choose Charlie Sheen. You know, he wasn't going to play it that way. And uh, let's make it like it's the sensitive. She wanted Andrew. She wanted Blaine to be a little bit like not like all the other guys. Yeah, he was hot and popular and rich, but he was also like a nice guy and was trying to do the right thing. But also, she had a big crush on him in real life, and that's kind of that's kind of how we got in there. I mean, it still all works. But um, as we said, Andrew, despite getting the job, oh, and when he got the job, apparently he sent Molly a four foot tall Gumby doll as a thank you gift. That's awkward already. Uh, did not so know that. <laughs> that's, that's a little tidbit that I just got from the internet. I mean, I by the way, all this information is either from like little listicles or I've read these books. I've read three different books about this because this is this is really. I, I should probably pick up a different hobby, but this is what I love. Um, but yeah, as I said, Andrew didn't really want to. He didn't want the job. Like he thought, you know, he wanted to do more serious stuff and more theater, um, and. that's just how it worked out. I'm still very happy that's how it worked out. Um, I'm kind of sad that they were mean to John Cryer. But did you answer (laughs) the question? So who do you you think that that she should have? Like, I'm saying I'm switching my mind. But who do you think she should have ended up with? I can't believe you're saying that now. I thought if you switch, it'd be (laughs) earlier on. Um, Just because because of everything that has happened since and all the stuff that you've read, it'd just be like... It didn't make sense at the time. At the time, I thought it was the right decision, and I, I, I haven't changed. Like, yeah, I, I, I think this would have been, you know. Now the thing is, I say that having known that this is the ending of the movie. If they never mm-hmm. changed it, and the and the audience, whether they liked it or not, John Hughes said, "You know what? We're sticking with it." Maybe in the and maybe all of us are sitting here saying, "Oh my God, I can't see any way she ends up with Blaine." This was a great ending, so I don't know. I, you know, you don't see it play out that way. But so this is the ending that we know. I, I'm fine with it. It makes more sense to me. Uh, and no, no, do they last? Probably not. Probably she dumps them because he can't. They kiss. don't. They definitely. There's no question. They do not. I mean, they're, they're they don't last two days. Like the mom's gonna get involved. She's gonna call the house, and the mom's gonna be like, "Oh, he doesn't live here anymore." Even though he's right there, like telling his mom, like I'm not here. It's two days. Those two. I there's absolutely. I we could do that with a lot of. I mean, I don't think pretty pretty woman. I don't think Julia Roberts, the 
the lady of the night and her John end up together either. But that's just, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm cynical, but I just don't, I, I see Molly, wouldn't it be great if Molly had ended up with Steph? If Andy had ended up with Steph instead, the James Spader character, I would have loved to see a little switcheroo there. Like, Ooh, which one's it going to be? Neither Steph and Steph really deep down was a good guy. I, I oh, that would well, the way the, the way the movie mm. went, I don't see it because she hated him all movie. Why would she like him? You know, she why she, anything? Because he was hot and he smoked during school. <laughs> I mean, for those of you who remember, like he looked like he was thirty-seven years old and yeah. he's a senior in high school, and he's just smoking. He puts it. He's like, "You're gonna be late, buddy," and he just points to the bell. He's just the hottest, coolest guy. I say that's how we end it, but you know, okay. I think um, I think that's. Um, I think that was one of the reasons you asked me about why this movie appealed to me. I think that his villain role I thought was I was always I was always very fond of the villains in high school movies in the eighties, whether it was Johnny Lawrence mm-hmm. in Karate Kid, mm-hmm. whether it was mm-hmm. uh Chaz Osborne, played by William Zabka again in Back to School. I just loved the stereotypical bad boy and then and then again William Zabka playing I forget his name in she's one of the guys another classic I always mm-hmm. liked those bad boys and James Spader just came across as not only was he a bad boy everything you just said just fucking cool like who didn't want to be cool Steph like it was just like wow this because I was what when I had seen this so I would have been about I can't, like I said, I can't remember the first time I saw it. I don't know what year it was. It definitely wasn't in the theaters, but I wasn't in high school yet. So this mm-hmm. is how I thought high school went. And just like <laughs> this is, and then Ferris Bueller. I was like, so these are the type of people I'm going to run into in high school? Like, wow, that's cool. I wonder if I could befriend them. But um, I know I know we're going to get to trivia at some point, but do you know that there is an unanswerable trivia question when it comes to this movie? And that is... Give it to me. Let me see if I can answer it. Give it to me. <laughs> Andy's friend in gym class. Uh huh. Do you know who you know who that is? The blonde. She has the curly hair. And she's she gets in trouble because she's like they shriveled yeah. up or whatever. But yeah. Uh, uh, who she is as an actress? I can't think of who her, what her name is. No, what her sto- her backstory was once this ended. No. Died in her apartment you? September 10th, 1985, right after the film wrapped. Dead, and they haven't found... Wait, the actress? The actress did? Yeah. Cause of death unknown. She's been dead since 1985, and it happened right after the film wrapped. And she was just found dead in her You're apartment. You're not saying the character like that. It's not saying, like, oh, in fan fiction. That is just the no, saddest thing. Dead. I've heard. Oh, that's horrible. Alexa, Alexa Kennan is her name. She was six, born in 62, so... When she made this movie, she was, you know, 20, 23, 24. Uh, yeah, 24 years old. In high school, but yes, they and they all played that way. But she was great. She really added. I didn't know that. That's a sad, that's a sad little thing. Well, it says the, um, the dedication at the end of Pretty in Pink is shared with the film's set director, Bruce Weintraub, who died of cancer three mm-hmm. months after Alexa died. So is there is there a dedication at the end of the movie that I didn't pay attention to? But, I don't think so. Okay. I don't. Maybe now. Maybe now there is. Maybe they added um, it. Yeah, but she. Um. Yeah, they said she died September tenth, nineteen eighty five, right after filming wrapped, and her cause of death is unknown. So. Jeez. Sorry. Well, I would say that's not a fun fact. Here's a here's a fun fact. That's a yeah. that's a sad fact. Here's a little fun fact, and you and I, you'll love this. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the dress. That's what bonded us originally because I you asked me yeah. when we did that podcast the last time, and you were like, "What do you think about that?" I was like, "It's awful." To go and say, okay, I'm going to take all this material and I'm going to three days of a montage of making my own prom dress. And that shit is what you come up with. That terrible thing was just, it was hard to look at. Well, Molly, she got along with the costume designer really well. She liked all her clothes, apparently. But when she saw, it's apparently when she saw the dress, the god-awful mishmash thing, whatever that was, she said she, this is a quote, burst into tears. She hated it so much. She never got over it. And the way... The argument that she had with the costume designer was like, look, I don't like it either, but we have to, this is the character and that's all that she had to work with. So that's, she was weird and that's what she came up with. But I was like, uh, that seems like an easy out. The costume director designer just didn't want to remake the dress, but I think they should have because that's, 
that is, that's something. I do want one to wear out just every day, but I mean, that, that's, here's another fun fact. Okay. How did you feel about Ducky dancing to uh, try a little tenderness in the record shop? It's an iconic scene. And it's, yes, it it's, it's a song that anytime I hear that Otis Redding song, you can't not think about Pretty in Pink. Um, it, right. I mean, I love that. I, lo- I thought it was kind of perfect. Uh, originally, okay, so the he had a choreographer for that because he didn't really know how to dance. They brought in Kenny Ortega, who is famously Michael Jackson and many others choreographer just to get it right. So he, he worked with this like legit Michael Jackson guy. And originally the song was supposed to be State of Shock, which I don't know. It's Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson. Do you know that song? No, I did not. I knew I knew it was not the original. I knew Otis Redding was not the original song, but um, that song doesn't ring a bell in terms of. Could I, I didn't know it either. I feel like is that like a made up thing? But I, I can't. It's it's funny. Again, you say it's like whatever it is is what it should be because that's all all we know. But I even saying that I still I still could see Robert Downey. Jr. I mean, I I could never. I don't know. I think it would have been a whole different movie. It would have been more Dawson Pacey. <laughs> like you yeah. really could choose either. Sorry to bring Dawson's Creek into this. There was no, there's no reason for that. I apologize. Um, okay. Do you have any other fun facts for us? <sighs> um, and if not, I don't want to put you on the spot. I mean, we've, 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 we've put a lot on everyone. It's a lot to think about. Well, uh, one fun fact. Uh, I can't remember his name in the movie, but her friend that was the punk rocker that was spaced out. Uh, Dweezil Zappa mm-hmm. is yep. who Molly Ringwald was dating at the time of the movie. It's a fun fact. That's right. He didn't he play Simon? I think it's Simon in the yeah. movie. I feel I don't know where that came from. Isn't that weird? I can't remember anything in my life that like that pops. That's how much I think about this movie. Um, how did you feel about Annie Potts? I I kind of loved her. Yeah, because she played almost the same character that she did in Ghostbusters. Um, she literally says the same line in the movie that she did in Ghostbusters when she picked up the phone. So that was a throwback, I believe, to Ghostbusters because she literally picked up the phone and said, what do you want? And, yeah, I mean, she was fine, but she also was like she looked like she was 37, you know, and she was Annie's best friend well, at a record store. Well, she was older. She wasn't in high school. I mean, I think she was in her 30s. Yeah. Because when she when she references her own prom and she's going to give she gives her the prom dress, which I think Andy should have just worn her prom dress. It was adorable. Just wear the retro cool. But it was from the maybe 50s, 60s. So that would make her about in her 30s. It is weird that they were so close, but I think she was sort of acting as like her mom. Remember, Andy didn't have a she only had Harry Dean Statton as her dad. And, you know, he wasn't doing the best job. He did like cook he her, really he was, did you know, cook her he, eggs in the morning. That's about it. But she doesn't eat, if you remember, she's allergic to eggs. You know this. Yeah. <laughs> I know this. I mean, and she says, since birth. He says, well, since when don't you like eggs? Oh, since birth. I mean, he's he's doing his best. Here's the thing I always think about, that dog. Didn't they have, like, a little golden retriever? They never come back to the dog. Yeah. What was the dog's name? Like, what kind of world? I feel like John Hughes was not a huge animal person because in all the movies, the dogs are just sort of there for, like, uh, reaction shots. <laughs> and I, I, I need more. I need more backstory on the pet. Yeah. No, he's – I'm trying to think now. 16 Candles, the dog – He says his name. The dog wakes up Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles. <laughs> um uh, is there a long duck dong moment in Pretty in Pink? We don't have. I mean, Sixteen Candles did not age well, but I don't think oh God, Pretty in no. Pink has a lot of those. Yeah. Um. That. Yeah. I don't. No. I don't think that there's any. No, no. I mean, nothing like Sixteen Candles. I mean, yeah. There's Sixteen Candles stuff right now that there's zero chance that movie could get made today. Um, with all the stereotypes and. <laughs> just the blatant racist racism in that movie. Um, nothing. No, I don't think there's anything. I could be missing something, you know, small here and there, but I don't think there was yeah. anything in this movie. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't. Nothing jumps out to me. I don't think so either. And I, I'm going to say, I bet that's a testament to Howard Deutsch. I think John Hughes left to his own devices went sort of a different direction comedically in, in every way. I mean, obviously he wrote all these, but Howard Deutsch, I think, reeled it in. He wanted it to be a little sort of more slice of life 
rather than just sort of silly 16 candles. I like both, honestly, but I, if you look at that and some kind of wonderful, which was kind of the answer to, I want Molly to end up with Ducky, so I'm going to write this other thing where Keith ends up with Lots. Sorry, spoiler, but we assume that you've seen all this by now. <laughs> you um, haven't. You um, I will tell we'll you right spoiler now. Spoiler at the beginning. <laughs> I will tell you right now oh. that I, I have never Sorry, seen some kind of wonderful. My dog is coughing. I've never seen some kind of what? wonderful from beginning to end. No. What? Okay, no. so what are you doing with your life? I know you've got very successful podcasts, but we need to get you on this. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's a there's a lot of as. It's my thing is, and I actually spoke about this on a podcast last week. My thing is, my movies that I love, I watch yeah. a thousand times. I just never, there are so many movies that I, I can tell you right now that I've never seen from beginning to end. You'd be like, you got to be kidding me. And it, and it's just, it's for no other reason I'm, as like, no, I mean, I've never seen Forrest Gump from beginning to end. I've never seen Platoon from beginning to end. I've never seen Saving Private Ryan from beginning to end. Like I've seen parts of all these movies but and these are like iconic movies. Never seen Pulp Fiction at all. <laughs> like you know, uh, like yeah. Uh, of all those, I would say that's the one to see. But I mean, they're all Forrest Gump's a little cheesy, but it, it is iconic. Like, yeah, but it's like I don't know that you need to. I, I, I'm gonna recommend some kind of wonderful over all that because if you love Pretty in Pink, it's the same combo. It's the same thing. It's just giving you. It's like it's like fan fiction. It's like well, you didn't. Okay, we didn't get our ducky. Let's get our ducky. Well, the it's thing the, different. You'll think it's hot. The thing that's crazy about this whole John Hughes-Molly relationship was just back-to-back-to-back mm-hmm. back back bangers that they produced with yes. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink, and then never really worked together again. The Pickup Artist, was that a John Hughes movie? I remember seeing that one in the theater. Remember I that movie? I don't remember if that was John. I do. With I want to say Robert Downey Jr., right? Yeah, Which was, was awful. It was a terrible movie. Um, what happened, though, there, I'm glad you brought that, Molly just wanted to move on. She wanted to do other things. She liked John, but she needed to do something different. And then he had to get a new muse, which kind of became John Candy. He was like, all right, well, then I'm going to do a lot of stuff with John Candy. And I read a thing where John sort of knew. He knew how Hollywood worked. He's like, look, I'm hot right now, so I'm going to bust out as many scripts as I can and make them good. And as you notice, they got less and less good. I mean... Planes, Trains was awesome. Yeah. You, you kind of lost us at Uncle Buck. Curly Sue was obviously not good to me anyway. Um, you know, it kind of went down and he, he sort of knew that's the way it worked. So he's like, I'm just going to bust. And he could write these scripts in like weekends at a time. But Molly, yeah, I think it was just Molly needed to do something different because she was kind of playing kind of the same role. A little different. I mean, in Breakfast Club, she got to be the popular snob. Um, but you know, she didn't want to be, and she also didn't really want to live in LA. She moved to Paris pretty early on. Right. She wanted out of this scene. Yeah. I mean, um, she just never love her more. She never did. I mean, she never had, I mean, after those three where she was literally the lead female in three straight, great eighties Hollywood movies, name one thing that she's done since then that has been, you know, movie wise. No. She right. just never made another yeah, movie where TV. she was the feature, and then she's doing TV now right. on that one, the young about the young teenagers, right? She's the mother in one of those shows, right? Yeah, she shows up in stuff. It's sort of like like you said, she's not necessarily the lead. I think she's worked in that. She's worked the amount that she wants to work. And by the way, she's stunning. I mean, she's aged so well. She's yeah. so adorable. I I sound like a like I am a stan. I'm I of all of them though. I am of Andrew McCarthy too. I feel like I'm so happy. That all these all three leads, including and I guess say four with James Spader, like everyone went on to be really successful. Molly, maybe not as much, but just as a human, she went and lived a really cool life. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy, nothing awful, no jail time. Not that we would judge it. Jail time's fine. But everybody just kind of went on to do fine. And I and that's really rare for everyone in one film to just kind of kick ass. Yeah, for this film even, and even yeah. and even for his other ones, you know, you take everyone in the Breakfast Club, they all did well. The mm-hmm. one the one guy who literally Not fell, Judd. F- yeah, Judd didn't, but the one guy who really fell off the map that well basically just I think quit acting was Jake Ryan. He just went bye-bye. Like he was never in anything. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, wasn't he like a carpenter? I know everyone always says that cuz they said that Harrison Ford was a carpenter before he, you know, got cast in I guess Star Wars. Um, but I think he, I think that's Jake 
the real Jake, right? He just wanted to work with his hands and he just like, wasn't that guy, Yeah. which makes him even hotter. I'm going to look him up right now and see what he looks like. Okay. The last thing that I Googled was Dahmer. So that maybe I should go see a therapist or something. Cause I, why would that be the last thing I just Googled? I'm just going to put in Jake Ryan now and see how he, how he looks, but you're right. But I don't know. The breakfast club didn't fare as well. And we may do that as a different show at some point, but I, Judd didn't do very well. And Anthony Michael Hall, even though he's working, he's continued to work. And I love the guy. He had some, he had some trouble in there. Yeah. No, he was, he got, you know, drug, he got involved in drugs. He got caught up in that. Something, you know. Oh, okay. I think Jake Ryan, he might not be as hot now, but who who is as hot as they were in 1984? Yeah. Kind of hard at this point. I'm going to give him a pass. He's still, (laughs) um, Okay, for those of you guys listening to this, please do, do this. First of all, just get the soundtrack. Like, even if you just don't want to sit down and watch this movie, if you haven't seen it in a while, we assume you've seen it or you wouldn't be listening to this. If you haven't seen it in a while, it holds up. This shit holds up. Every time I watch it, I, I see something different. I like it even better. But if you don't want to take the time to do that, just bust out that soundtrack. Let's just, like, go go live in, let's go live in the 80s for just, like, a minute. It'll make the world better, I think. The problem with the soundtrack, though, is my two mm-hmm. songs for my podcast are not on the soundtrack. The Rave Ups That's are not true. on the soundtrack. You have to get the Rave Ups album, which is, I think it's just called the Rave Ups. And the songs that I use on my podcast are Positively Lost Me is on my weekly podcast. And then Rave Up Shut Up is the one I use on my daily podcast. But... <laughs> You have to Google Rave Ups in Apple Music. Don't Google Pretty in Pink Soundtrack because those two, for whatever reason, are not on the soundtrack. And those are the two best. Well, Google both. Get both. Get the Rave yeah. Ups, which you're going to get at the beginning of this show. So you'll get to hear a little bit of that. And, yeah, check out. Yeah, don't don't forget to include that. But the Pretty in Pink Soundtrack, I mean, it's just, oh, God, wasn't there, a, there was a lot of New Order on there, I think, if I remember. I know he was maybe not on that one, but he's such a fan, John Hughes. And he was really good at like finding bands before that. He was great at making bands cool and popular. He had just he's for such a like kind of weird old big Chicago guy. He really had his finger on the pulse of something. Well, if you look in at, a way if, that like yeah. Well, that soundtrack had New Order, Psychedelic Furors, Echo and the Bunnymen, In Excess, mm-hmm. Orchestral mm-hmm. OMD, The Smiths. I mean, it was that was '80s personified right there. You know, I mean, yeah, and but he made it that it wasn't like it, it wasn't like those songs were already cool, and then he was like, "Let me put this in my movie." He made those like we know that stuff because of him. Yeah, and you know, not just Pretty in Pink, obviously. All he was Sixteen Candles did it, Ferris Bueller did it, and by the way, uh, I forgot Jake Ryan's real name. We know is that what is it? Michael Shoffling. Yeah. Just so you know, if you want to look him up, I'm looking at him now. Again, he looks different, but like it looks like he might have a man bun. I can't totally tell here, but that's not. I guess shocking. <laughs> not, I'm not thrilled with it, but it is what it is. Um, that might be a good place to leave us. I feel like. Do you have anything? Anything else you want to say about our favorite, one of our favorite movies? Um, I mean, I the question. I I think most people, if you were to ask most people, Ducky or, or Blaine, I mm-hmm. I think it's most people would say Blaine, just because. Even nowadays, when you look back on it. It just Ducky was mm-hmm. nothing. There's nothing sexual about Ducky. Nobody wanted to get with Ducky. <laughs> Blaine was the hot guy, you know. Blaine was the hot guy. So I, yeah. he, did, John Cryer in that movie did not exude any sort of sexualness, and you see that like, okay, maybe it was great that he saved her at the prom, and all of a sudden, but then once Blaine came back around in his horrible wig and told her he loved her. <laughs> It was like, okay, it make, it makes sense for her to go run off with him. And if Ducky would have said, like, no, you're with me, when it was clear that she wanted to get in Blaine's pants, even though he couldn't kiss, it was uh, <laughs> it was like, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to her end up with Ducky. There's no, there's no sexual tension there at all, and there was nothing but sexual what? tension. Well, there was sexual tension between Blaine and, and Andy because in real life the, those two were not getting along because yeah. she was in love with him and he didn't like her. However, um, yeah, it's a good poll question. You put out to anybody listening. We'll, I'll put it up on my website for Rose Pricks. Um, yeah, Ducky or Blaine. I, I'm saying Ducky even, but like with a sort of, with the idea that Ducky shouldn't have been John Cryer. And, and, and I know we say we're being hard on John Cryer. I still loved him. He still helped sort of shape 
like everything that we know about the 80s. He did a great job with what it just, he just maybe wasn't right for it. But had it been a different ducky, I still think it should have been ducky. Should be, because at the end of the day, the, the best relationships are the people you're best friends with, that you laugh with. You know, like it's not, it's not Blaine. That's not gonna, Blaine's gonna cheat on you immediately. Blaine's gonna cheat on her with Steph. <laughs> Come on. This is not, oh, now I'm creating my own like fictional porn. Blaine? That is like that's like my little softcore porn. I'm sorry. Blaine mm-hmm. and Steph. <laughs> I mean, in my fantasy, yeah, but you know, look, this is just me being honest. Gotcha. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, they're not. They're not going to hook up. I'm just saying it would never have worked out. So interesting thing with all that you know now, all these other people, like who do you think would have been a good Blaine or Ducky? Any of the people that were being considered, do you think they'd be better? What do you guys think? That's my question. Yeah, I, I, it's it's one of these things where I've done this with other shows and other movies where it's just Mm -hmm. like, oh, you heard Mm -hmm. so and so was up for this role, and you're just like, oh, no way, that role could only be that person. Well, you you say that because that's the only person you saw in that role, you know. So we don't really know, but that's why I just like to take it as, look, this is the role. I, I I can't see anybody else. I can't see James Spader playing. You know, um. Blaine. Blaine, Blaine, you know, I couldn't see that. I can. I really, really can because he was so sexy. So, I mean, we, you know, when he pops up from behind the thing, which we didn't even talk about really quick, when he, when she's at the library and she, and, and he's doing the computer trick, which you could not do back then. And he's like, do you know who I am? Do you know who you are? Whatever. They're typing to each other. And they send, he sends the little pictures and then she's looking around. Where is he? And then Andrew McCarthy in that little what is it like a sweater vest and there was like a blue shirt with his blue eyes and he stands up like all creepy but it's the hot it's so sexy so I think that's why I always said Blaine I mean I yes there's a part of me that would say Blaine still but I choose all the wrong guys that's I think why recently I switched to Ducky because I'm like well maybe if I just duckied it a little bit (laughs) not gay Ducky you know straight Ducky and then maybe maybe that would (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe that would change my life too, but I get it. I get why they wanted Blaine. You can't make him that adorable and make those moments and then have the test audience just be like, what? Yeah. No. So I understand. I understand why they changed it. I'm glad John Hughes didn't fight for it and just said, I'll just make a different movie. This is fine. Here you go. Um, and it's, you know, it's the movie we love. So. Oh, All right. What do you think? There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. And just, I want everyone to know that Steve has been doing this with like a very bad cold. So a round of applause. If, if uh, you know, yeah, I he tr- is just, he's fighting through it for, for everyone. I tried to, every time I had to cough, I, I turned down my mic, but apparently you could hear it. I don't, you know, oh well. Doesn't sorry. matter. My dog, my beagle was also coughing. So it's just, this is, these are the uh, times we live in. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, all right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this little, our little, pretty and pink special edition show yeah um yeah thanks for listening thanks for being here and Bye. maybe we will have another one in the future we will see yeah i would like it yeah all right <laughs> goodbye everybody bye thank you all for listening to that thank you to cecily for controlling that while i was kind of under the weather that day and i hope you all enjoyed our review of Pretty in Pink. Maybe at some point, Cecily and I will do this again with other John Hughes movies. Maybe we will talk Breakfast Club or some other mid-80s movies, Ferris Bueller's, stuff like that. Um, there's just so much about those movies that I think are fun to talk about. And, you know, like I said um, on my daily roundup today in talking about You know, it's very tough for me to get contestants from The Bachelor, the most recent ones, because of the new Bachelor podcasts out there that are Bachelor-affiliated, Bachelor Happy Hour, Clickbait. All those contestants are going on those podcasts anymore. For uh, me, getting them is really slim and none, and I've talked to so many past Bachelor contestants that I'm almost running out of them, so... Uh, this isn't going to be a weekly thing for sure, but maybe every few months do a movie review, you know, to keep it interesting. Um, and it'll be it would be it would be a movie that I would say that um, hopefully a lot of people have seen. But who knows? Maybe you haven't seen Pretty in Pink, and after listening to that, now you want to go see it, or maybe you just want to go see it 
so you can hear my theme songs to the Daily Roundup and the Reality Steve podcast in the movie. It's about halfway through, maybe a little before halfway through. I should have looked at the timestamp on it when it plays. I think it's right around midway through the movie. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Thank you to Cecily uh, from the Rose Pricks. Go check out their podcast, the Rose Pricks podcast, and also Board AF. And appreciate you all listening. Rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. It certainly helps the podcast. You have no idea. Please do that when you can. Again, thank you to Cecily. I'm Reality Steve. Thanks for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See ya!